Well, today we're going to continue our series on respect and honor. And last week we looked at 2 John verse 8 that says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. And as we saw last week, John was talking about those of us who are believers. He was not talking about the reward of eternal life. He's talking to those of us who are believers, who after we become believers, then the way we live our lives as unto God, it determines what our, our reward will be up in heaven. And so John is telling us that it's possible for us to labor our entire life, but labor with the wrong attitude, the wrong motive, the wrong heart, and then get to the end of our lives and lose our entire heavenly reward. Again, not our salvation, but the reward for how we've lived and lived our lives according to the precepts that Jesus set for us. Well, since John says that we can receive a full reward, well, then logically there has to be the possibility of receiving a partial reward and the possibility of receiving no reward at all. And so it was in that context that we talked about life-defining moments and how the city of Nazareth only received a partial reward because they withheld honor from Jesus when he ministered there. And then we saw how the Pharisees received no reward at all because they actually dishonored Jesus Christ. And then we ended our time together last week with an honor foundation that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, in which God says, for those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. So for today's message, let's look at John chapter 13, verse number 20. John 13, verse 20. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Jesus is saying, I'm going to send out people to you, and I'm going to send them in my name. And I want you to receive them and honor them, because when you do, you're actually receiving me and honoring my Father who sent me. Now, when we think of giving and receiving, we usually think of money. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give into your bosom. But according to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, it could just as well refer to honor. Because God said, if you give honor, you will receive honor. And so if giving and receiving also applies to honor, then we could actually state John chapter 13, verse 20 in a paraphrase this way. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who honors whomever I send honors me. And he who honors me honors him, my Father in heaven who sent me. Well, we see Jesus make a similar statement in Matthew chapter 10, verse number 40. And Jesus says, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. And he continues, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Here we find that talk of honor again being rewarded. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. 
And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. And so applying the principle of giving and receiving to honor, we can paraphrase this passage this way. He who honors you honors me. And he who honors me honors my Father in heaven who sent me. He who honors a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who honors a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And then, of course, whoever honors one of these little ones with only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. And so we see in this passage that Jesus shares with us those he is going, who he is going to send out in his name. And he shares with us a prophet, a righteous man, and one of these little ones. So what I want you to see today is that Jesus is talking about the levels of society of that day. And they apply to us today as well. A prophet was a symbol of authority in that culture. So the prophet represents the authorities over us in our life, not just in the church, but those outside of the church, such as governmental authorities, teachers, people in leadership in our society. And so Jesus is saying that when we receive or when we honor those that are over us, we will receive the reward that is due that person. And so if a prophet or someone in authority over me is due a reward and I honor him in God's behalf, I receive the reward that is due that prophet or that authority. Well, then if I honor a righteous man or a woman, which is synonymous with those equal with me, then the reward that was due that person, according to the Scripture, is now due me because I have honored or received a righteous person. The Scripture then talks about the little ones. Now, the little ones are the children in your home, or they could be the people that work for you. In other words, they are the people to whom God has given you care over. And when you honor them, the Bible says that you will not use lose your reward. And so there are three levels of honor the Bible talks about. Those people who are over you, those people who are equal to you, and those people who serve underneath you. And it's in this conversation that Jesus tells us there is an opportunity for us to receive a prophet's reward, a righteous man's reward, and then not to lose our reward because we adequately cared for those who are under us. Okay, so with that background in mind, let's look back to John chapter 13, verse 20. And Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send or honors whomever I send, receives and honors me. And, who, and he who receives me or honors me receives and honors my Father in heaven who sent me. Friend, what we need to remember we may have known it at one time, but it seems like in our society we may have forgot it. We have to remember that Jesus has levels of delegated authority in this world, both in the spiritual realm and in the natural realm. And when you honor me, Jesus says, you are going to honor my Father in heaven. And so he's saying you can honor me 
by honoring my delegated authority. And so I'm going to send people your way, and when you receive them, well, you are honoring me in the process. So let me try to explain to you what I'm talking about here. You know, I've had the privilege to do missions work in developing countries in a few parts of the world. And in many of these places, mainly in South American parts of Africa, I have witnessed the power and the presence of God in amazing ways. And I don't know why that is, but I do have a theory that I want to share with you this morning that's in line with what we've just talked about. Most times when we go over to Africa, our team is invited to to the home of a pastor to have a meal, or they prepare a meal for us there on the church that we've, we've constructed. To an African, it's an extreme honor to have ministers from the U.S. in their home, and so we welcome the invitation. Well, one particular time, Starl and I were in Tanzania, and we arrived at the pastor's house, and, and I have to be honest with you, I was overwhelmed when the pastor's daughter began to serve us the meal because she refused to stand in our presence, and she walked on her knees to the table to serve the food. She bowed her head. She wouldn't look at us in the eye. And I wasn't prepared for the way that their culture demonstrated honor. And Starla and I were both so uncomfortable while this was happening. And and I said to the missionary that was with us, I said, man, this is hard to handle. And he said to me, but Mike, you don't understand. To them, you're a man of God. And so they want to honor you. And by honoring you, according to the scripture, they are honoring God. Now, when, when he told me that they thought I was a man of God, I'm thinking to myself, oh, hey, boy, they've got the wrong guy. I'm not the man of God. My dad's the man of God. Billy Graham is the man of God. I'm just a worker bee. And I told the missionary, you know, I don't deserve this level of honor. And his response was that it's not so much about you as it is the fact that they honor those whom God has sent to minister to them. And they are, in essence, honoring the Lord. And as a result of their honor, God has promised to honor them. It was a literal playing out of the scripture we looked at, John 13, verse 20. Well, friend, it's no coincidence that Africa is experiencing some of the greatest miracles, greatest number of salvations and Holy Spirit baptisms of anywhere on the earth. And so it's in this environment that God is showing up in his presence and his power. So could it possibly be because there is a culture of honor on that continent? Now, you have to understand there's two sides to every coin. And being honored in some cultures can be, by our American standards, somewhat distasteful. In the sense that the honored guest at the table gets the head of the fish. Literally, the head of the fish. It's the most valued piece of the fish. And because I was the honored guest, the young lady served me the head, along with the eyeballs staring right at me. Talk about being in a tough spot. I don't like fish to begin with. You may be thinking, well, what would you do? Well, what else could I do? I did the only thing that I could do, and I honored my wife by offering it to her. (laughs) I can show honor 
just like they can show honor. I mean, if they walk to the table on their knees as a sense of honoring you as a messenger of God, you can't look at them and say, hey, uh, by the way, do you have a chicken leg? Fish is not on my diet. Well, so I offered it to Starla. And she kind of gave me the look. I'm sure none of you other husbands know what I'm talking about, the look. And then, I mean, you know, she's sharp. And so she politely declined, said, no, thank you, I'm fasting today. Which I can assure you she begun at that very moment. The Lord had called her to a special fast. Well, so now the fish head's back on my plate. So I ate, well, I kind of ate the eyeball-staring fish head, kind of scraped around enough to not be offensive. But see, you honor them because they have honored you. And it's in this culture of honor that God has chosen to establish his kingdom. And as we've seen, there's a way to receive a full reward, a partial reward, and then no reward at all. But friend, I want you to understand that honor is the key to an open heaven. And quite possibly in developing nations, it's the honor of God, his word, and his sent messengers that create the environment conducive for great things to happen. I mean, I know many pastors here in the U.S., and they, they preach their message under the same anointing, but yet when they go overseas, they see many more miracles happen. In South America, we've seen blind eyes open. In Malawi, we've seen babies with no life in their mother's womb, born completely healthy. We've seen many lame folks throw down their crutch and run. And maybe it's because in foreign lands, they understand honor while we don't. And perhaps it has little to do with the messenger and more to do with honoring God by the way we receive his message and messenger. So then, does that mean that God loves people in developing nations more than he loves America? Well, of course not. Absolutely not. But see, here's something else you need to think about. You know, the people from these cultures, they understand kings. They understand chiefs. They even understand dictators and tyrants. And from my experience, I think people from developing nations understand delegated authority and honor better than those of us in the Western culture. You see, because in those countries you find a culture of honor that says there is no big eyes and little U's. We are all servants of God serving him in his kingdom at our designated post. I don't know, but maybe... Just maybe the reason those cultures are witnessing a move of God like none other is because they have grasped the concept of honoring Jesus by honoring his delegated authority in the world. Because after all, his word says, those who honor me, I will honor. And it's a principle in Scripture that honor is the key to receiving from heaven. You know, it's interestingly, just a side note, another place that experiences God's special touch is at youth camp. And kids camp. Now, you'd think in this day that kids sure don't understand authority and honor. Of course, not you guys. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about those other kids that you're going to be coming in contact with at school when you go, so be careful. Stay away from them. But here's the thing, folks. Kids today are looking for role models. 
And when they go to camp after two or three nights, if the speaker had been able to relate to the kids and get their attention, well, they begin to respect him and listen to what he or she is saying. And they look up to him, and so he becomes a hero of sort. And in that culture of honor, their hearts are touched. And when that happens, miraculous things are able to happen. Whether it's developing nations, youth camps, or us simply sitting in the pews, when we open our hearts to honor and we open our hearts to him and his word and respect those around us with honor, the power of God will work in our lives because Jesus said, if you receive with honor those I send to you, you honor me, and then you honor my Father who sent me. And that's when the Holy Spirit can move and we will receive the reward of his Blessing. Now Webster's Dictionary defines honor as to revere, to respect, to treat with deference and submission. And so this is where we need to be honest with ourselves because honor implies submission and obedience. So to say that we honor authority but do not obey authority means that we're kidding ourselves. Or we're just lying. Choose whichever one you want. The Roman officer in Matthew chapter 8 we talked about last week. He certainly recognized his own authority, but yet he acknowledged and submitted, and submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ. And consequently, Jesus just spoke the word and the centurion received his miracle. Yes. The man received a full reward because of the honor of God's authority in his life. Well, with that as a backdrop, look at Romans chapter 13 verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. It says every soul. That means you. And that means me. Every soul. That's pretty inclusive language. Let every soul be subject to the governing authority. There is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, verse 2, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. I mean, don't get mad at me. It's in the book. I didn't write it. But what it's saying is that every soul means that you and I are not the exception to that Scripture, and all authority means all authority whether we agree with it or not. This is not a suggestion. It's a command from God. Now, in the New Testament, we find God's delegated authority divided into four divisions. Civil authority, church authority, family authority, and then social authority, which would be employers, teachers, and those who make up the leadership in our culture. So let's see what the word of the Lord has to say about each of these levels of authority in our life. First, let's look at civil authority. Romans chapter 13, verse 6. You must also pay your taxes. Oh, man. Did it have to say that? Well, it does. The authorities are God's servants. And it is their duty to take care of these matters. Now think about this with me. When Rome was opposed to the New Testament church, Jesus had come to earth, he lived his life, he was crucified on a cross to save us. 
He was put in a tomb, and three days later he was resurrected, and then he ascended back to heaven. And the New Testament church was established. Well, when Rome was opposed to the New Testament church, they were one of the main hindrances of God's plan being carried out on this earth. They were always chasing after the apostles, trying to put them to death or into prison. I mean, how many times did the apostles stand in front of some Roman consulate because the Jews brought charges against them? It was happening all the time. But yet here you find God saying, let every soul be subject to the governing authority. These authorities are God's servants, and it is their duty to take care of these matters. Pay all that you owe, whether it's taxes and fees, or respect and honor. God instructs us to honor those who are in civil authority over us. Let's talk about social authority. 1 Timothy 6.1 Let as many bond servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. Well, in today's vernacular, that would be like this. Let as many as are employees under hire count their employer and bosses worthy of all honor. It doesn't say to only honor your employer if he treats you well. Or the employer that you like or the employer that you get along with. It says, bless your employer and bosses because they are over you. And because they are over you, they are worthy of honor. School is starting. So students, to you, let as many as our students count their teachers worthy of all honor. Even if that mean old lady that you just can't stand, she's worthy of honor. You see, friend, when we demonstrate honor and align it with God's word, God has promised to honor us in return. And let's be a people who are in line with God's honor and reward in our life. Family authority, I think we're pretty familiar with this one. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. When there is honor in the house, it adds length to your days. And that's why my sister and I, we're going to live to be a really old. <laughs> if the Lord tarried, we honored our mother and our dad, like so many of you did. But just a thought, and usually my thoughts get me in trouble, but you know, there does seem to be a lot of disrespect in young people today. Again, not you, again, not you. But, but my thought is, I wonder, I wonder if the young people are just parroting what they see their parents doing at home. Well, let me get off of this real quick. And then, of course, we have church authority, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And live peacefully with each other. Stop the church squabbles. Learn to love your neighbor. 
Learn to treat your neighbor with respect. There are more scriptures about all these areas, but God tells us to give honor in each one. And when we do, we enact the principle of honor in our own lives that says, those who honor me, God says, I'm going to honor. And so whether we receive a partial reward or full reward is determined by the way we value the kingdom of authority that God has placed over us in our lives, in the spiritual and in the natural. But you see, as Americans, sometimes that's difficult for us. You know, I'm so thankful to live in a democratic nation where the people have a representative form of government and we have a voice. I've seen firsthand countries that don't have that privilege. But you see, when it comes to things of God, we have to remember that the government of God is a kingdom and not a democracy. There is a vast difference between those two forms of government. And sometimes it's difficult to understand the kingdom of God with a democratic mindset. I didn't say a Democrat mindset. I said a democratic mindset. And so many times we approach God and his word as if his commandments are up to a majority vote. Sorry, Charlie. It doesn't work that way. All legitimate authority is from God. Romans 13, 1 says there is no authority except from God. So that brings up some legitimate questions in people's minds. They say, well, what about tyrants? What about dictators? What about evil rulers? Are we supposed to still honor them? Friend, according to the Bible, God receives honor when we trust him when ungodly authorities have been placed over their lives. In Jeremiah in the Old Testament, God talks of King Nebuchadnezzar as his deputy. As someone who is working for him. Now that was a tyrant. But you see, God receives honor when we honor those who we don't agree with. You know, some think that in the Old Testament that the people wanted Saul to be king. They said, we want a king like other countries. And so they twisted God's arm, and so Saul became king. But then when it came time for a new king, well, then God chose David. Hey, listen, nobody twists God's arm. God does what God wants to do. But you see, that thinking creates the idea that some authority is established by God and some authority is established by people. But friend, God chose Saul to be the first king of Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, God said, Saul shall reign over my people. And so we need to remember that all authority is from God, but that not all authority is godly. And so we need to determine based on Scripture, based on the Word of God, where we're going to line up in our honor of authority that we don't agree with. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18 says this, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only the good and gentle, well, don't you wish it didn't say that? Don't you wish it said, hey, you just have to honor the people that tickle you behind your ears. But you see, that's not the way God works. 
That's not God's plan. Not only the good and gentle, but also the unjust. You see, if we are truly followers of Jesus Christ, we will recognize and esteem authority in our lives because God and his authority are inseparable. Now, this is where things can get a little bit sticky. You know, probably what I should do is just say, man, bow your heads and let's pray. But I've never been accused of being the sharpest tool in the shed, so I'm going to continue. Let me ask you a question. I don't know, but when did our social beliefs become preeminent over our biblical beliefs? When did our social beliefs become preeminent over our biblical beliefs? Because there are some that have allowed their political affiliations and their convictions on social issues to be held higher than they hold the Word of God. Doesn't matter if it is this president or our former president, all of us have watched people on both sides of the aisle in both seasons, seasons who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, but yet they dishonor the man in the office by their choice of words and actions towards the individual. Doesn't matter who holds the office or what man or woman it is. My Bible and your Bible says all authority is established by God and that every soul shall give honor. The current president is not the exception of God's authority. The former president is not the exception of God's authority, and the next president will not be the exception of God's authority. Friends, I want you to know all authority has been established by God, and when I dishonor the established legitimate authority in my life, I dishonor God. Jesus said, when you receive those whom I send, when you honor those whom I send, you receive and honor me, and when you receive and honor me, you receive and honor my Father in heaven. The Scripture says in government, in social areas, in family, and in the church, there is delegated authority. And when I reject God's delegated authority, I am rejecting God. But when I recognize those who are recognized by God in authority, He will honor me because God says, those who honor me, I will honor Now, you know, it really, seems, it really seems pretty simple, but we have a hard time grasping that, especially in this day in which we live. Years ago, well, a whole lot of years ago, because my kids were little, one of my boys made an ugly comment about the President of the United States that he had overheard at school. And that thing that used to get on my mama that would make her hand jump off the seat and slap me across the face... That spirit almost got all over me when my son said that. Now, you can't do that anymore. DHS would be at your door. But back then, man, I mean, mamas had free range on those kids. And I'm not going to say, who, never mind, never mind. But I told him, don't ever dishonor the president of our country. Doesn't matter if we voted for him or not. Don't dishonor the man or the office. 
Listen, you may disagree with the individual. You may oppose their social agenda and think they are straight from the pits of hell. But beware of bringing dishonor on God's delegated authority in your life because if God hadn't okayed it, they wouldn't be in office. That's why I don't get worried about the Russians' intervention in the election. If God hadn't willed it, it wouldn't have happened. God's word is plain on his delegated authority. But yet, because we have freedom of speech in this country, and I think, thank God that we do, and because that we've got to be trill to ourselves, we've become so casual about verbally crucifying anyone in public office that we don't agree with. Our politicians and public servants have become the butt end of the comics on late night TV and we are so hung up on our entitlement to speak our minds of any inane thought that passes through our open cortex that we don't give a second thought to assassinating the character of anyone who disagrees with us. Forgetting the fact that if we disagree with them, they disagree with us, so it makes us even. What makes you think your opinion trumps their opinion? Friend, I can assure you the framers of our Constitution never intended for freedom of speech to be freedom from decency. Respect is a forgotten word in our society. We need Aretha to come back and lay it on us again. The Bill of Rights does not take precedence over the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. In all godliness and respect. Notice, a peaceable life is lived in reverence to authority. And listen, I really understand that it's difficult to walk in submission to those you disagree with. I'm married. I know how that works. But the Bible makes room for us to walk in disagreement while still showing honor. And we're going to talk about that the next time we get together. But listen to me. All authority is not fair. All authority is not godly, but all authority is from God. And if we're wise, we will honor those who God puts over us. Bow your heads with me, if you would. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that when we honor those in authority, that we are, in fact, honoring you. Because, Father, you have said that you, in turn, will honor us when we do that. Lord, I pray that we will remember that all authority is from you. And, Lord, teach us to respect and honor those who you have placed in authority over us. And, Father, I pray today for those who hold positions of authority. Lord, be with them. Give them your wisdom. Give them your patience. Lord, give them your favor. And Lord, let us all work together 
in unity and respect for your purpose and your will on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.